0: morning this is ab and this is the talk about god podcast oh father thank you so much for good friends and good company and um (laughs) very little sleep because i stayed up way too late last night because i had fun and i had good company so anyway i thank you lord i thank you for this day i thank you for your word um i i've read exodus before i don't know that i have really paid attention to it though so i thank you um for your word i pray that you guide me in it as always please do not let me lead anyone astray especially me um i thank you for this day i thank you for all that i know you're going to help me accomplish in it and i pray that you just um be with me in it and through it so sorry I don't know if it matters, but in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, book of Exodus. This is 200 years after um, Joseph has died. He has been gone a while. All of the pharaohs that even knew Joseph or thought of Joseph or anything with Joseph have all passed. No one cares about Joseph anymore. Quite literally. No one. So, um, it, Genesis or Exodus... One eight. Now, a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph nor his, the history of his accomplishments. Um, this particular pharaoh says, "Let us deal shrewdly with the um, people of Israel." So he knows that they are obviously um, multiplying, right? They've they've went um, from the you know seventy people that came originally and it says now they've increased greatly and multiplied and became extremely strong so the land was filled with them. So there's lots of them now. Um so they set tax masters over them. They made them build Python and Ramses as storage cities for Pharaoh. So that gives you a good context as far as historical we can track them, um, and of course they made their lives bitter with hard labor, mortar, brick, and all kinds of field work. It says, oh, it says that their labor was harsh and severe. Makes sense. They were slaves. And I don't know if you've seen the stuff that the Egyptians built, but I'm pretty sure that Israel, uh, the people of Israel built quite a bit of it. At the very least, made a lot of the bricks for it. Um. So... The pharaoh then starts telling the midwives, um, Exodus 1.16, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them in, on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him, but if it's a daughter, let him live. So the midwives feared God with profound reverence, and they didn't do what Pharaoh had asked, um, thankfully, and of course God blessed them for it. Um, so when the king of Egypt called and asked them that, You know why have you not done it um and you've been allowing baby boys to live they straight out say because hebrew women are not like egyptian women they are vigorous and give birth quickly and their babies are born before the midwives can get to them aka we ain't prying am out of the mama's hands um so pharaoh then commanded all his people saying every son who is born to the hebrews must be thrown into the nile but every daughter can be kept alive so that's what starts the straight out killing of hebrew boys um these are all infants mind you so moses's parents moses mom saw that he was um gen- uh, exodus 2 2 she saw that he was especially beautiful and healthy and she hid him for three months after she couldn't hide him anymore she made a waterproof basket to place him in so that he could float down the river um I don't know know what her uh, overall game plan was, but I think she was trying to spare him in any way she could, hoping somebody would find him. So his sister, Miriam, um, stands watch and keeps an eye on the basket to see what happens. Um, The daughter of Pharaoh comes down and uh, sees the basket, has a maid get it. She takes pity on him. And so Exodus 2-7, the sister says to Pharaoh's daughter, so Miriam is talking to Pharaoh's daughter and says, shall I go call a wet nurse from Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Of course she says, go ahead. So the Pharaoh's daughter tells at this point, Moses's mother, she bore the child. So um, to take the child away and nurse him for me and I'll give you your wages. So she's paying him, paying her to take care of her own baby, Um, but she's keeping it alive. So when he grew up she brought him to um, pharaoh's daughter i guess at that point the princess and um she named him moses because she drew him out of the water so he grows up he goes out for a walk notices um i i believe at this point that the pharaoh's daughter had to have told him that he was hebrew right it doesn't make any sense because it happened that he went to his countrymen and looked with compassion at their hard labors he saw an egyptian beating a hebrew one of his countrymen so it keeps referring to one of his countrymen one of his countrymen it's like he knows he already knows that he belongs to these people um he exodus 212 12 turned to look around and seeing no one he killed the egyptian And hit him in the sand. This just shows you God will use anyone. Now, mind you, this was while he was young, before he knew God, but still. Um, Pharaoh finds out, wants to kill him. So, he runs off and takes refuge in the land of Midian. Um, The priest of Midian had seven daughters. While he's resting at this well, the daughters came down to um, water the priest's flock and there were shepherds that drove them away but moses stood up and helped them they came home they told their dad about it and their dad's like well dude why did you leave him there why did you not invite him home um so we could you know at least thank him so they go they find him they bring him home he moves in with them stays with them um takes one of it's uh jethro takes one of Jethro's daughters I guess real I don't know they've got multiple names here but anyway takes one of his daughters um, to be his wife now 40 years pass about 40 years and the pharaoh that was his adopted mother's dad has died and um, the children of Israel have been groaning and sighing and crying out because of their bondage okay so they mind you they're already upset that they're in they're enslaved um, so God takes pity on them, remembers the covenant he in Exodus 3 sets a bush on fire so Exodus 3 2 the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing flame of fire from the midst of a bush and he looked and behold the bush was on fire yet it was not consumed So basically, Moses looks at this and is like, what? How's that bush not burning up? I need to investigate. When he goes over to investigate it and God sees that he is paying attention, he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Which I love because I don't think he's been practicing avidly. I don't know that any Hebrew is actually behaving the way that they're supposed to be behaving i mean i just i don't know maybe maybe in this area that they they are but i don't know for sure and just the fact that he gave the same answer as what they record israel giving i think is great now when you keep in mind that moses wrote the book of genesis um so it's probably it's probably something he did on purpose i don't know if it's you know 100 factual that they did respond the exact same way um But I I still enjoy it. So anyway. Then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. Out of respect because you are standing on holy ground. Um, So he goes into explaining. Because at this point you've got to keep in mind too. God's been silent for 240 years at this point. Um, Longer I would say. Because I don't know at what point he ran away from Egypt. So let's say 250 years. He's been silent. So he's catching up. Moses, and he explains, "You know I'm the God of your father, Abraham Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I love that he says he's the God of Jacob, not the God of Israel. He is the God of the jacked up man that came before he was transformed and redeemed, um which I always 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 love, so anyway, he ends up saying, you know, so I've come to rescue them from the hand from the hand of power of the Egyptians um." And, you know, lead you out of slavery and take you to the land in which I promised your forefathers. So, he then gives Moses a mission. And he's like, you're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to set the people free. That's basically what's going to happen. Um, Moses' first response. And this is the same response that he carries out for a while. Um, Exodus 3, 11, But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children out of e- children of Israel out of Egypt? god is actually kind enough to respond um to his doubting and he says certainly i will be with you and this shall be the sign that you to you that i oh my gosh that it it is i who have sent you when you have brought the people out of egypt you shall serve and worship god at this mountain so he keeps on going and he's like well you know the people aren't going to believe me they're going to ask what is his name what should i say to him And God's like I am who I am it's one of my favorites Exodus 3 14 God said to Moses I am who I am and he said you shall say this to the Israelites I am has sent me to you so he keeps going back with um, you know all of his nonsense Um, by the end of it God straight out says you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to ask him to let you journey three days into the wilderness to sacrifice to me. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless he is forced by a strong hand. That's Exodus 3:19. 19. Um, so he continues on and just straight out says in 21, I will grant this people favor and respect in the sight of Egyptians. Therefore... It shall be that when the, you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall insistently ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for articles of silver and gold and clothing that you should put them on your sons and daughters. In this way, you are to plunder Egyptians, leaving bondage with great possessions that are rightfully yours. So he's saying, one, you're leaving. It's going to happen. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to happen. And you're not going to go empty handed. I mean... I don't know about anybody else, but dang if that is not something that applies here. Like, you've got to keep in mind, these people have been oppressed for 200 years. It didn't mean that God loved them any less. Um, And there, of course, was 200 years worth of prayers, I'm sure, that were going seemingly unanswered. It wasn't until his time when he decided to move. But anyway. So, Exodus 4. Then Moses answers, What if they will not believe me or take me seriously what I say? Or take seriously what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So basically, poor Moses, one, is a hot mess. Um, But thankfully, we all are, and I like that he is too. So at every turn, he is like dowdy. At every turn, like we have Timothy in the New Testament, that they call doubting Timothy. Like, what about Moses? Yo, he's got taught, got oh my gosh, got God speaking directly to him, and he is like, Well, what if they say, what if they say, what if they say this? So, God's like, You know what? Fine, throw your staff down, and it becomes a living serpent. Here's the fun things that I never noticed before, and I can't remember who preached on it or I would tell you. Um, I think that it was my pastor, Mike. Um, but every sign God gave Moses to do had a purpose. Um, but then on top of that, every one of the plagues that God sends on Egypt also has a purpose. The purpose is to mock the Egyptian gods. So this this um, staff becoming a serpent the serpent is the royal symbol on the crown of pharaoh um so it, i think that it, i mean and i could totally be wrong please don't take my word for it but i think it was god's way of being like hey i see you i see you i see what you're doing pay attention um so of course again most like but what if you know what if and god's like okay fine put your hand in your robe he takes his hand out it's got leprosy He puts it back in the leprosy goes away um and then he's like but if they will not believe these things (laughs) like that god just jumps ahead of him this time he's like um exodus 4 9 if they will not believe these two signs or pay attention to what you say you are to take some water from the nile pour it on the dry ground the water which you take out of the river will turn into blood on the dry ground and then of course dowdy patty moses In verse 10, please, Lord, I am not the man of words, eloquent, fluent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. God straight out says to him in verse 11, Who has made the man's mouth, or what makes the mute, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to say. How God did not just smite Moses, I do not know. Because then Moses comes back again. Please, Lord, send the message of the rescue of Israel to someone else or whomever else you will choose. And finally, in verse 14, God reacts in a way that makes some kind of sense to me. And he said, it says that the anger of the Lord was kindled and burned against Moses. And he said, is there not your brother? So finally, he just goes, fine, pick your brother. He's mad at him. I don't know how he didn't strike him down, but he's mad at him. So, anyway, Moses then goes back to his father in law because you got to keep in mind, he's not in Egypt anymore. He left Egypt. So, God came to him outside of Egypt and is like, You got to go back. You got to go back and um, set these people free. So, he goes to his father in law and is like, Hey, I want to go back to Egypt and find out if I have any relatives still alive. Um, So,. Jethro goes, yeah, cool, go. So he takes his wives and all that fun stuff, and he leaves. Um, God, then again, it's like he just keeps trying to beat it into his head. Um, You'll see Pharaoh. Pharaoh will not do what you want him to. He will not let the people go. I think he's already told him like two, twice now. Like, you're going to go. You're going to talk to him. He's not going to do what we ask him to do. Um... He will eventually, but he's not going to do it right out of the gate. So, he tells him right then before, um, let's see. When you return to Egypt, this is Exodus 4.21. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart and make him stubborn so that he will not let the people go. God is even using Pharaoh. God is controlling the situation. He is manipulating, which I don't think he really manipulates, but in our human um, understanding, he is like puppet master here. And yes, he could have made it so Pharaoh just let them go immediately. I feel like he has a point to prove, though. He's been silent for 200 years, and he wants... The Hebrews he wants Israel to see just how powerful he is and in hopes that after seeing what he did to Egypt, they will i don't know behave crazy thought, so he says that he will harden their heart he says then you shall say to Pharaoh thus says the Lord Israel is my son my firstborn so I say to you let my son go so that he may serve me and if you refuse to let him go behold I will kill your son your firstborn before we even get to Egypt God's already told him how this is all going to shake out he ain't gonna let you go and I'm going to have to tell him that I'm going to kill his firstborn to get some results Okay, so one thing I never caught before in Exodus, which I have no idea how it didn't pop up, but Exodus four twenty four. now it happened at the lodging place that the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. Why? Because Moses is a, you know, naysayer? Nope. Nope. Not because of that. It is, um, he was making him deathly ill because he had not circumcised one of his sons. So that tells me they're not truly fully living out the Hebrew culture because that's something that happened on like what day eight I think of birth so there there is that so his wife took a flint knife cut off the foreskin of her son and threw it at Moses's feet and God um forgave him, and then she he he of course bounces back. Um, God tells Aaron to go meet Moses in the wilderness I guess they're outside of Egypt at that point because I feel like Aaron I don't know like I thought Aaron was his like actual brother brother like full blooded brother but maybe not I don't know I'll have to figure that one out but anyway um so they meet Aaron and Moses meet with all the elders of the Israelite tribes. Um, they Aaron says everything that the Lord had spoken to Moses. Moses performs the signs given to him by God before the people. And the people believed. And when they heard the Lord was concerned about the Israelites. And that he would looked with compassion on their suffering. Then they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord. So I don't know how much bowing their heads and worshipping the Lord they had been doing up until this point. But the word then makes me think probably not a lot. They've been crying out, they've been fussing, they've been moaning, they've been groaning um but I don't know how much actual worshiping they'd been doing, which may be why they hadn't had a response from the Lord in two hundred years. Maybe maybe we need to do a little more of that, but anyway, um so. Moses and Aaron talk to Pharaoh. Pharaoh really sucks. He's basically just like, I don't know your God. Don't care. Go back to work. You're keeping the people from the work. Um, and he goes to the foremans and says, don't give him straw to make the bricks like you did before. Let them go get the straw themselves. He makes their work harder. Um, but makes them still... Required to meet the same quota that they had already been required to meet, which was already pushing them very hard. But his issue, um, he was saying that, you know, if, he, if I work them hard, they will pay no attention to their God's lying words. That's one of the quotes of Pharaoh in um, Exodus 5, verse 9, which is just... Yeah. Hey, he's a peach. So... The hebrew foreman um so you have pharaoh's tax master masters right and then so under the the task masters you have hebrew foreman um so two days in a row they didn't get their quota they get beaten by pharaoh's um peeps and when they ask why why aren't you you know hitting quota they kind of go off a little bit and they're like you you don't give us straw you tell us to keep making bricks And it's really us being beaten, but it's your fault that this isn't getting done. So Pharaoh gets mad and keeps calling them lazy and idle. And that's why he says they want to go sacrifice to their God. Because they're lazy and they're idle and um, they have nothing better to do. So he's trying to give them something that he deems better to do. Um, The Hebrew foreman, after all of this is said and done go back to Moses and Aaron and they're like in Exodus 5:21, and the foreman said to them may the Lord look upon you and judge you because you have made us odious in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and you have put a sword in their hands to kill us so you've made us something hated you have made them hate us good job Moses and Aaron then Moses turns again to the Lord and says, Oh Lord, why have you brought harm and oppression to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak your name, he has harmed and oppressed this people, and you have done nothing at all to rescue your people. Um, so I don't know if anybody else remembers, but that's Exodus 5, last verse of 5, verse 23. In Exodus 4, verse 21, he says, Before they even leave to get to Egypt, but I will harden his heart and make him stubborn, so he will not let the people go, and it's not until I threaten to kill his son. Then we go, what, even further back. Um, let me see. In Exodus 3. 19, but I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless he is forced by a strong hand. I mean, I hate to tell Moses, but he warned you. Um, how I, I, I just think about Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, right? And their reverence for God and the ways in which they actually spoke to God. And I really don't think any of them would be crazy enough to pull a Moses. Um, Guess what? We are. We do it all the time. I'm guilty. I am so guilty of pulling a Moses and doubting what God is telling me. And on top of it, um, grumbling and groaning and complaining at him and questioning what it is that he is... um, He is saying or has said he is going to do. Um, So all I can say is thank God for Moses. Um, Thank God that he did not just wipe him out um, and record that for me because that would be very discouraging. Um, The fact that his anger was kindled against Moses at various different times for various different reasons. And yet he never... He never took his life. You have to keep in mind. I know that it probably seems really strange that he um, wanted to kill him over not circumcising his son, but that was a huge deal. That circumcision showed that you were God's son. That that was you. That was your outward expression of an inward faith. I get that it's something that you did for your kid. Like it, if you did it when your kid was eight years old, they didn't really get a say in it. But it was you as a father, as a mother, committing your child to God. That's a big deal. Um, and so, yeah. I mean, it, it was showing that you you had utmost faith in the God you serve um, to the point that you, you are going to follow his customs. So I clearly see that he... I don't know. I I don't think that they were following all (laughs) of the customs, obviously. Um, But, anywho. So, I think we're going to leave off there for today at the end of chapter 5. I thank you for sticking it out with me. I know Exodus gets pretty crazy. Um, It's not... I don't know. It's not as pretty to me as, um, as Genesis because Genesis of course has a creation story and, and all of those really, really nice things. Um, Exodus, Exodus gets ugly, but you've got to keep in mind it's, it's the people trying to leave oppression. Um, the sad thing is, is once they leave, it almost gets crazier in my mind, um, once they leave, which makes no sense, but it speaks so so deeply and truly to human nature. Um so I look forward to digging into it even more. Like you said, I am <laughs> so always surprised by what I find. Um of course as always I encourage you get in the word. Get in the word get in the word read it for yourself. Please don't take my bridged these are my highlights that just popped out to me. Here is the story. Um The word comes first by hearing it, but then by reading it. So please, hear it, let it seep in, and read it for yourself, please. I thank you, I encourage you today, Um, and I just ask that you be kind. And I don't mean that like worldly. Oh my gosh, they're so kind. Be genuinely kind. And I pray for you and for myself that God make our love genuine. Make our hearts pure and to help us to see what's within us that keeps us from him. Because I feel like in our country right now, in our world as a whole, we as the church need to be paying attention and not looking outward, we need to be looking inward because we're broken. We're broken, um, and we aren't going to be able to fix anything for anyone until we fix ourselves. Um, there's a, a song I can't even remember who it's by right now, but it's um, it starts starts right here, it starts right now, um, and it means that of course it starts it starts with me. Um, so before you go picking planks, out of other people's eyes. Take a look at the sawdust in your own. That's all I'm asking. Um, and prayerfully consider it because the devil will hop on that train super fast and discourage the fire out of you. Don't let that happen. Go to God. So anyway, I thank you and um, I pray you have a wonderful day.